Hello, this is Technology Corner for the week of September 24th, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. First up this morning, the latest version of iTunes, iTunes version 7, now available. What a beautiful interface, but I have to complain, so I'll do that first. When you install iTunes, the installer installs QuickTime. Okay, that's fine. I've never particularly liked QuickTime on a Windows machine. It is, as far as I'm concerned, the weakest media player on a Windows machine, but I've grown to accept it because some applications need it. The problem with QuickTime is that it installs a helper application that lives down in the tray. Yes, I can turn that off, but I shouldn't have to. Either it should be off by default or the installer should offer the user a choice. The version also has an automatic updater. Everybody wants to give me an automatic updater these days. These things just sit there, run, periodically check in to see if there's an update available. I don't like those. I would much prefer to check myself on a regular basis to see if there's an update available. And like anything else that is running on the machine, it just takes up space, it takes up memory, it takes up processor cycles. Get rid of those things. Pretty wimpy stuff to complain about, huh? Well, that's about all I could find that's bad. iTunes and the iTunes Store now support, as I've reported a few weeks ago, TV shows and movies. Fewer than 100 movies are now available from Walt Disney Pictures, Pixar, Touchstone Pictures, Miramax Films. Users can watch the videos on their computers and iPods, the ones that include video, of course. Video is also coming for a planned TV player from Apple. It currently has an internal name of ITV. If you're British, it's not your ITV. Apple's CEO Steve Jobs says in less than a year we've gone from offering just five TV shows to offering over 220. We hope to do the same thing with movies. iTunes is selling about a million videos a week, and Jobs says he hopes that Apple matches that with movies in less than a year. Now, I'm not a big fan of television, and I generally don't watch it very much, even though there is a TV set about five feet away from where I'm speaking. Movies, however, might be different. But still, my primary use for iTunes is playing music. I can do that while I work. And for that function, the iTunes core value, it hasn't been beaten by anything. Even on a Windows machine, the Windows media player still comes in second to iTunes. It's a quick download if you have a high-speed connection and a relatively fast install. But what I like about the new version is just a cleaner interface. There have been no major changes, but it just looks better. And there's a new screen that pops up when you plug in your iPod that shows you the name of the iPod, the capacity, what software version is on it, what the serial number is, how it's formatted, and tells you whether the iPod is up-to-date or not, in other words, whether it's been fully synchronized. This is a far better screen than what Apple has had previously, and the one they had previously was no slouch. The screen that shows the album art and the list of songs on an album looks, dare I say it, surprisingly like Microsoft's Media Player. When the latest version of Microsoft Media Player was released a few months ago, I commented on the album view. Now iTunes has something very similar. However, Apple raises the bar a bit more. There is now the cover flow view. Cover flow. The covers flow. It's a descriptive term. It appears that you're scrolling through CD covers that are in a large 
CD holder. Now, this view does still need a little bit of refinement. It seems a bit slow, and it is decidedly jerky. If you're listening to a specific CD, switching to the large cover art view, oddly enough, enables the entire music library. So instead of hearing the next track on, for example, a Pat Benatar CD, you might find yourself listening to Bare Naked Ladies, the Berlin Philharmonic, or even Spanky and Our Gang. At least if you have my set of music, you might find yourself doing that. iTunes has an automatic crossfade built in that you can turn off if you want. Some CDs, such as live concert albums and classical albums, are meant to be played straight through with no fading between the tracks. If track 2 begins before track 1 ends, which is what happens when you have a crossfade, that's not going to work out too well for a classical album, certainly. If you tell iTunes that a an album is is one that should be played gaplessly. It automatically turns off the crossfade whenever you play those albums. So for Apple, iTunes gets five cats, just an absolutely perfect application. Well, except for that stuff I complained about early. Internet Explorer 7 continues to sneak up on us, assuming you have Microsoft's automatic updates turned on. One day in the not-too-distant future, you're going to find that Internet Explorer 6 has been replaced on your computer with Internet Explorer 7. Microsoft's been beta testing this new version since sometime in 2005. My preferred browser is Firefox, which is soon to be available in version 2. But I have been looking at Internet Explorer's new interface. The coming Vista operating system, Office 2007, and IE7 will represent sea changes for users, so now's a good time to lay in perhaps some life preservers. The interface will change significantly in IE7. I've seen some of the changes in the Office applications, and of course the new interface there is just totally different from anything we've seen before. Power users will probably have the most trouble adapting to these new versions because power users are the folks who have modified the existing versions to work the way they want them to. They'll be back to square one with these new applications. One of the goals Microsoft had with Internet Explorer apparently was to simplify the interface and to provide more space to put content. That's good, but the menus are essentially missing. That's going to confuse some people. Favorites show up over on the left in the corner. Cancel and refresh are at the top of the screen, just to the right of the address bar. Then there are some kind of nameless icons, and most of the rest of the menu is hiding over at the right. I'm not sure this is really a good way to do the browser. What Microsoft has done is eliminate, move, or reduce most of the junk, the Chrome that used to get in the way. The result is that those who are using low-resolution screens, 800 by 600, for example, stand some chance now of being able to see the content. The irony of that, though, is that virtually no user has a monitor these days less than 1024 by 768. Microsoft says it has done extensive usability testing on the new interfaces, and I'm sure that is the case. It doesn't mean that the interfaces are going to be accepted without question, though. Professional whiners, me for example, may say the old way was better. I don't have enough experience with the coming versions to really say that yet, but that's something to look for as we move down the road. Because Internet Explorer is still the number one target for the bad guys, and because I really prefer Firefox 
or opera, I have to give Internet Explorer three cats, kind of in the middle. It's a good application. It's improved a lot better than what it was. It is on my computer. I do use it once in a while, but it's not my favorite. Do you ever deal with any highly trained dogs? Not long ago, I read an article about the use of highly trained dogs in business. The writer was using this as an explanation for why stupid things happen in business. She had sent her Internet service provider a change of address notice. She had a dial-up account that wasn't associated with any particular address, such as the various high-speed services. Well, the ISP closed her account. When she called to complain, she was told that she had asked them to close the account. How could this happen? How could the ISP take a change of address notice as a request to close the account? Her explanation, highly trained dogs. Dogs can't read, of course, so they have to work by sense of smell. And apparently a change of address letter smells a lot like a cancel this account letter. Since then, I've noticed several organizations that employ their own highly trained dogs. A couple of examples from the technology field. I've been a fan of Buy.com for quite a while, made a lot of purchases from the company, but sadly the company seems to have replaced customer support staff with those highly trained dogs who aren't quite capable of reading messages sent to them. They try their best, but even highly trained dogs don't communicate well in English. A 1980s television version of Alice in Wonderland is out on DVD. This is a program with Red Buttons, Ringo Starr, and a host of others. It's a fun production that my older daughter always liked, and I rather liked it also. I found what appeared to be that version on Buy.com, checked it against other websites to confirm that the box Buy.com was displaying was the one I really wanted. It was. I ordered it. Well, it wasn't. The version I received was an animated program. Didn't realize that until after I'd opened the box, put the DVD in the DVD player. So I wrote to Buy.com's support address, explained the problem, was told to return that they'd replace it. Filled out an RMA request indicating I wanted a replacement, assuming they actually did have the one that I wanted. And after sending the DVD back, I searched Buy.com's website and was unable to locate the DVD I really wanted. I did find it on Amazon.com. So I ordered the DVD from Amazon and wrote to Buy. I have returned Alice in Wonderland. Initially, I had requested a replacement with the proper item, but it seems that you don't stock the item I wanted. I have found the one I thought I was ordering at Amazon. Instead of a replacement, then, I would prefer a refund. Thank you. Three days later, Charles, no last name. And have you ever noticed that customer support people, particularly those online, never have last names or any other identifying characteristics? Charles responded, we're currently waiting to receive your product. The carrier is allowed 14 business days to deliver the product back to us. Once it has arrived at our warehouse, it takes three to five business days for an RMA to be processed. At the time an RMA was issued, you had the option of replacement order or a refund for the return. Since a replacement order was requested, it will be generated once the warehouse has processed the RMA. Please feel free to contact us with any future shopping needs. Well, there are two possibilities. The first... Charles thinks I'm wondering where my replacement is because he was unable or unwilling to read my 53-word message. In that case, Charles is a fool. Or, Charles would like me to believe that Buy.com's customer service department is incapable of changing course once it has been set in motion. In that case, Buy.com's customer service department is run by fools. I wondered to Charles what part of you don't stock the item I wanted, 
and instead of a replacement then, I would prefer a refund, was unclear. To clarify, I restated the situation. You don't have what I wanted. I'm returning it. I requested a replacement when I thought you had the object that I thought I was ordering. Because you don't have the item I ordered, it would seem to me that a refund would be appropriate. Have I had a response yet? Nope. Do I expect one? Uh Uh-uh. In nerdly news, the feds continue to be losers. Earlier, I reported statistics on computers that the federal government, including agencies such as the FBI, have lost. The Commerce Department may be the winner in this category, having lost 1,137 notebook computers since 2001. 1,137 notebook computers lost. Okay, they're small, but they're not that small. Most of those computers, according to the Associated Press, were assigned to the Census Bureau. No personal information is known to have been improperly used, says the Census Bureau, even though many of the computers did contain personal data. Commerce Secretary Carlos Guterres says the vulnerability for data misuse is low. I mean, after all, who would want to know where you live, what your salary is, or any of the other information that the Census Bureau might have for you? Remember the VA's missing computer? A notebook computer with information about 26.5 million veterans and active duty troops was stolen by a burglar from the home of a VA employee. The agency later recovered the computer, and apparently the burglar was sufficiently dense that he never managed to use any of the personal data on the machine. You have to wonder, have the folks in the federal government ever heard of encryption? If you have sensitive data and you take it home, it should be encrypted. This is not rocket science. And HP continues in damage control mode. Patricia Dunn, who announced earlier that she would resign at the end of the year, is out immediately as of Friday. Mark Hurd, who replaces Dunn, made the announcement and admitted that he had not read a report on the spying campaign that has gotten HP in a lot of hot water. The report had been prepared for him while the program was still in operation. Two other executives, those who supervise the investigation, also are reported to be leaving. Trying to find and stop information leaks from a corporation is, of course, both reasonable and proper. When the investigation begins breaking the law, it is no longer either legal or proper. The operation used direct surveillance of board members and journalists. Okay, that's questionable, but legal. But it seems to have illegally obtained phone records of board members and journalists in an attempt to locate a leak. HP is also accused of an attempt to load spying software on a CNET reporter's computer. And there was also an effort to infiltrate news organizations with HP employees. Stay tuned as the HP soap opera continues. And thanks for listening. This has been Technology Corner for the week of September 24th, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com. You can also send email from there.